Well, it seems like it's been a while since we've had gathered together, and I tell you what, a lot of things have happened since we last met last month, believe it or not. The last time we met, Jesus was out there and he raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember, Lazarus was dead for four days? And Jesus came and, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. But I tell you what, since that period of time, there's been a lot of stuff about Jesus in the news. And it has been really challenging for the Christian community to understand what really was happening. See, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And when he got there, he was greeted with people with palm branches and they laid their cloaks down on the ground and he came in riding on a donkey and it was just fantastic. People were singing, Hosanna in the highest. People were excited about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. The problem was they were expecting him to overthrow the Roman government but Jesus didn't come riding into Jerusalem on a horse. A horse meant somebody with king and would be willing to conquer. Jesus came in on a donkey, which meant peace. And that's how Jesus came in into town. As time waned on, however, people started leaving the crowds. They weren't really happy about what Jesus was doing. They had visions of things happening in this world instead of visions of things happening in the next world to come. Jesus went out one night and he was praying after he had the, the Last Supper with his disciples. It's interesting to note that while Jesus was praying, he was praying so hard, so vigorously, that it was like his sweat was like blood dripping to the ground. It was also interesting to note that while Jesus was praying with earnesty, an angel of the Lord came and ministered to Jesus during that time. So while the angel was helping Jesus, and Jesus was expecting his disciples over here to be watching, what were they doing? <laughs> they were sleeping. They couldn't keep their eyes opened. Jesus was a little bit upset about that whole ordeal. He wanted them to stay awake and watch, but they could not do it. And then all of a sudden, a crowd shows up. And with the crowd, there's Judas. And Judas is going to be the one that betrays Jesus. And then Jesus is arrested. Here, all these things that Jesus was doing during this time, all these miraculous signs and all these healings and everything going on, and they arrest him. The guards mock Jesus. He appeared before the council of the elders of the people. Jesus was then taken to Pontius Pilate and to Herod. The roar of the Hosannas was silenced. And now the roars of the crucify him was thundering. 
the more Pilate wanted to let Jesus go. He knew that Jesus was innocent, but the more he wanted to let him go, the more the crowd hollered, crucify him. And so the sentence was handed down. And Jesus was found guilty, if you want to say that. Now the trip to Golgotha was beginning. Jesus would have to carry his own cross to Golgotha. It's the hill of execution that's outside the city walls of Jerusalem, apparently near a road and not far from the tomb where Jesus was buried. Simon from Cyrene was there, however, and he was drafted to help Jesus carry the cross. Jesus would be nailed to the cross. It's a little bit interesting side note going back to the Old Testament time when God gave Moses and Aaron the rules for the Passover some might have sounded unconventional. For example, there was the clear prohibition against breaking any bones of the lamb that was sacrificed and eaten by each household. Why did God insist on this? This command that the Passover lamb would not have its legs broken and it carries a symbolic weight and message. You see, when Jesus, whom John the Baptist proclaimed as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, was crucified, not one of his bones were broken. John tells us that when the soldiers came to Jesus to break his legs, to hasten the death, Jesus was already dead. And so they pierced his side with a spear. But again, he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and not a single bone was broken in his body, representing also to the time of Moses and Aaron. The prophecies are being fulfilled. What was written in the scripture was coming to life. Except there's still one problem, and that is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is dead on the cross, went through a lot of pain and agony for us. It's a horrifying thought of what we did to the Son of God who became human like us. Think about putting a nail through your hand. Just try to put your hand over a fire. You feel the pain, don't you? Think of the pain that Jesus was going through. Think of the pain that anybody at the time who was being crucified was going through. Jesus ended up dying. They took him off the cross 
and put him into a tomb. And then they rolled a large rock in front of the tomb. Then on the first day of the week, when the women, the disciples, came to the tomb, what did they find? Think about what you're anticipating. You're anticipating one thing. You're anticipating coming to the tomb. And when you get there, the stone is rolled away and there's no body inside. And you see an angel sitting there. And he says, he is not here. He has risen. Oh, you know, it's just, it's, it's fascinating that what God did for us and how everything transpired through the Bible, Jesus suddenly has risen. In Luke 24, verses 36 through 49, I have that printed in the bulletin there, I believe. We have about where Jesus now appears to the disciples. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. Now, now think about that for a moment, about the resurrection, about us in the future. We get to still eat yet. Jesus came and he with them and he says, I want something to eat. And this isn't the first time that this happened. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus appeared to the disciples in person. He appeared, remember, to, to Mary and Martha afterwards too, and, and they were startled. The thing is, Jesus told them this was going to happen. And apparently they went in one ear and out the other. They didn't remember or they didn't understand apparently what Jesus was telling them. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. 
So it should be no surprise that Jesus rose again because he told them it was going to happen, but yet they still... It's the things of this world that cloud the mind. And then we have another incident where Jesus appears to his disciples, recorded in the book of John. See, Jesus proved the great reality of his resurrection. He showed them that he did indeed rise from the dead. Death has been conquered. So now that we, each one of us, will be living forever. There is that promise. Why? Because Jesus conquered death. In John chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But they, that night, they caught nothing. First of all, in this particular lesson, afterward Jesus appeared again. So this is not the first time Jesus is appearing to the disciples. It's proof of Jesus' resurrection. He wants to make it known to them that he is alive and that they have to rely upon him. Seven disciples were together. And it's kind of believed that some were in the home continuing to hide from the authorities who were still after them. Peter went fishing because they needed some food. They were, after all, commercial fishermen before Jesus had called them. And the others decided to join him and they went undercover in the darkness off the shore and off this lonely beach to catch some fish. This small band of people needed to learn a lesson, however, and by God's sovereignty, he set the stage for them to receive this lesson. They caught nothing. Zero. Not a single fish. You see, in a way, for us, without Jesus Christ in our lives, we have nothing. And that's the lesson that Jesus is trying to portray onto the disciples, that they need to rely upon him. And they were going to get that lesson. They had to realize they could no longer do it on their own, just like we have to realize that we can't live our lives on alone, but we need Jesus Christ among us. They must know that the risen Lord must depend upon them. That the risen Lord, they have to depend upon the risen Lord. Jesus uses the experience of catching nothing to teach the disciples that he had truly risen. Then we go on to verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Okay, so we have all of a sudden you're looking on shore and you're seeing somebody standing there. 
They don't realize exactly who it is. It's certainly not a ghost. It's a human being that's standing there. It was a physical body standing there. There was no thought of a vision or hallucination or a spirit. They just looked and there was somebody standing on the shore. They didn't recognize who it was at first. So we go on to verse 5. Jesus called out to them and said, Friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> Think about the humor of that. Jesus knows they haven't caught anything and he's kind of mocking them in a way. You know, these commercial fishermen, have you, you haven't caught any fish? No, they answered. He said to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Wow. There's a lot of stuff going on in just those few little verses there. Here's this guy standing on the shore. Hey, put your net down on the other side. And when they do, wow, they had a catch like you wouldn't believe. They were surprised and overwhelmed. And when they said, oh, it is the Lord. And Peter jumps into the water. He goes towards Jesus. And then we continue on to verse 9. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Hmm. Think about that for a moment now. They saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Where'd the fish come from? Where'd the bread come from? The fire had been burning for quite some time, realizing the time element that's in play here because they're just a few hundred feet off the shore. They see this man here on shore. And when they get to shore, there's a fire, there's fish, there's bread. Talk about three in one miracle at place right there. Jesus provides. He provides the fish, the bread. After all, he is the bread of life. And he provides the fire to bake everything. That is quite... You know, people kind of gleam over that, but they don't think about it. It's like, wow, that just came out of nowhere. There is fire. There is bread. There is a fish there. And then Jesus said to them, hey, bring some of the fish that you've caught. 
So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, to be exact, 153. I'm interested that they put that down. So they apparently had had to count the fish. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus showed them that he could see, he could speak, he could hear, he could feel. And he's also the greatest fisherman around because he knows where the fish, you didn't need to have one of these fans. Today we've got to have these fish finders you know, on your boats to find out where the fish are at. Oh no, you got Jesus with you. He'll tell you where the fish are at. And that's what he did with the disciples. Reliance upon Jesus produced a bountiful harvest of fish. And when Jesus told them to put the net down on the other side, they didn't go, yeah, right. Sometimes I think we, you know, somebody tells us to do something, how do we react? We've done something for a while and it's just like, yeah, that's not going to work. We've been here all night. What's the difference about the net on this side versus this side? No, they obeyed. So there's obedience in play also in our scripture reading for today. They obeyed, and when they obeyed, wow, I could just imagine the fish flopping in the net. It's just like that. Giving the disciples proof that this is the Lord. Verses 12 and 13 says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. Jesus showed that his body was real. He invited them to eat, and he ate with them, just as he always had before. Again, the point is that they must know, they have to know that this is Jesus. And Jesus is laying the groundwork for everything that needs to be done to, for them to believe. This risen Lord was the same, Jesus Christ, as it was before and afterwards. The only difference was, this time, he had conquered death. And he had a perfected and glorified body. And the disciples knew beyond a question of a doubt that it was the Lord. It wasn't possible humanly. A dead man rising from the grave was impossible. But remember... This is Jesus. Remember that he had to defeat death so we can have eternal death because of what happened back in the Garden of Eden. So from Genesis all the way through the scriptures, with the Lamb of God there with us, we have the promise of everlasting life. And what great, can't get any better than that. All them people out there, they're going to be raised up again. All of our, all those who have gone on before us, they're going to be raised up again. Because Jesus did it, so we too will have it done. The dead will come back to life. 
In verse 14, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. John is keeping track of the number of times that Jesus is appearing. It's important because it's not just a one-time event. It's not just a two-time event. It's actually hundreds of times that Jesus appeared to people. Why? So that we might believe that Jesus really was the Son of God and through him, we will have life. As we started this morning with the story, you know, when Lazarus was raised from the dead and Jesus coming into Jerusalem and he was uh, tried and found guilty of basically nothing but still was crucified on the cross, died on the cross, went into the tomb, was buried in the tomb. The angel came and said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen and then appears to the ladies and to the disciples and to other people afterwards. The Son of God is alive. Did I not tell you that a lot of things have happened since the last time we met? A lot has happened. And I didn't want any of us to miss out about the good news, about everything that had happened, about what happened back in, in, in Jerusalem and all the way through. Because it's too important. Because without the resurrection, without Jesus raising from the dead, there is no life. And this is too important to just skip over just because of the weather. And I want to go through that segment because this is what our future relies on. The resurrection of Jesus Christ appearing to so many people. The miracles that he even did afterwards so that we will believe that Jesus really was the Son of God, okay, is the Son of God, and that through him we will have eternal life. Amen.